This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good to speak to you again. Now, let's talk about the markets before we get on to what's coming up in the week ahead. And, well, reaction mainly to yesterday's losses in New York, which were mainly down to some more disappointing earnings. What happened? Yeah, so earnings season hasn't got off to the start that I think many were hoping for. There's a lot of underlying anxiety in the markets right now uh, as a result of high inflation, interest rate prospects, and that being priced in for rate hikes from the Fed, four from the Bank of England, so on and so forth. And I think that underlying anxiety is having such a negative impact that what we were really hoping for is a, a blockbuster earnings season, something to get investors excited again, back on board, test these lows, maybe see if any dips uh, start to get bought up. And we haven't really seen it. We started last week with JP Morgan, disappointing numbers, higher um, higher wages and, uh, and compensation um, and weaker trading. Uh, and then we come into this week and we get the same from Goldman Sachs. Uh, and so that kind of starts to weigh on sentiment a bit. And then, so we're waiting for the big tech earnings. And that really gets into full flow next week. But we had Netflix reporting yesterday uh, after the close. And it was just more disappointment. It was just uh, more disappointment on the subscriber growth. Um, clearly a lot of competition. There was the weak dollar mentioned. But ultimately what this comes down to is that you've got a lot of these stocks, these kind of stay-at-home stocks um, where, that have done really well during the pandemic that are coming under a lot of pre- pressure now. And it's because it just seems that they're not taking any of that momentum that they had from the stay-at-home and carrying it through uh, into the post-pandemic period. And the subscriber numbers uh, and also the forecast for subscriber growth in the first quarter was really disappointing. Uh, and I think that and that just really dampened sentiment quite considerably. Uh, so you're seeing kind of weaker margins on the back of that as well. We're going to have to see these companies who are going to have to come out of the pandemic and show that they've still uh, that they're still relevant and not not just relevant. Obviously, Netflix is very relevant, but some of the other names uh, are going to find life a lot harder. But also show that they can prosper uh, in, in not necessarily the same way that they did while people were stuck at home, but at least kind of recapture and uh, and still do extremely well if they're going if they're going to justify these really high share prices Netflix fell 20% uh, after their results taking them back to the kind of pre-pandemic highs that they were trading at just for a sign of just how disappointed people were in these subscriber figures and the worry now is that we're going into earnings next week and we're seeing Big tech names, a lot of which have really prospered over the course of the last two years. And now there's going to be a lot of doubt hanging over them about whether we are going to see the kind of numbers that uh, was previously hoped for and that we are going to see the kind of forecast that we kind of need to generate some momentum once more. So it just sounds like just Netflix reporting, but really it's just what the kind of overall message that we're getting right now from earnings season, which is margins being squeezed by higher compensation, by little parts of these divisions not performing as well as they have done before and now you look at something like these big tech names and thinking well hold on is this going to be a common theme throughout that not only are they not performing as well as they were two years ago which is to be expected but also there's not really going to be much carryover in terms of their performance for the next few years which is something that had been priced into these very frothy valuations and we were just talking off air weren't we about the netflix recent fall i mean it had a long way to come down really didn't it when you consider 
how popular Netflix became during the pandemic and suggests almost that it was a rather overpriced share. Well, that could be argued for a lot of the stocks during the pandemic. If we look, take a look at what's happened with Peloton, for example, and what, what's happened to the share price here, Zoom is another. Um, a lot of these a lot of these companies thrive during the pandemic because people were forced to stay at home uh, and, and utilize their products. People needed to exercise, so they bought a Peloton bike. People were forced to uh, have meetings still, so use Zoom. And um, and also, they had very little to do with their time because they couldn't leave the house, so they you would sit down and watch Netflix. And obviously, some of these, some of these brands and some of these stocks are going to be a lot stickier than others. Um, but... The problem is when you when you're, when you're then allowed to leave the house, then these then these brands, these companies need to work a lot harder to retain you and also to attract uh, to attract new people. How do you convince people to pay a gym membership and also for um, a Peloton bike? Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really difficult for these companies, and that's what we're seeing evidence of now. So you've got Netflix, which is more than forty percent off its highs, and some of these other stocks are doing much worse than that again. So it's going to be an interesting period, and over the course of the next week or two, when we start to hear from a lot more of these big tech names we're going to see who are the companies going to be that have not just benefited from the stay-at-home trade and people using their products a lot more but who are the ones who have managed to turn it into a sustainable um, benefit as well who are the ones who are going to retain uh, these people who are the ones who are going to use this to propel them that's going to be the question that i think we're going to get answered a lot more now over the course of the next couple of weeks meanwhile craig Bitcoin has dipped below the $40,000 mark amid a, a wider tech sell-off, uh, which you've obviously mentioned already with uh, Netflix and so on, and predictions of a looming interest rate hike, which is a bit of a blow, isn't it, to investors' hopes that it could act as a hedge against inflation? It is, but it's not really something I've ever really got behind. There's a lot of people who want to believe that Bitcoin is an inflation edge. It's a safe haven. It's gold 2.0. It's a deflation edge. All of these things that have that people have tried uh, to claim it is in the past. And I've always said, it doesn't need to be any of those things. It can be its own thing. It can establish itself in its own way. And there's so much evidence now that it isn't any of these things. At times, it can start to behave like that, but there's no sustainable evidence to show that that is the case. And that's what we're seeing now. Again, it's a risk asset at this point in time. It's a high-risk um, tradable instrument, and that's all it really is at this point in time. And that's okay. It could evolve into something else, but right now, that's not what it is. And that's the point that we've seen today. It's been in consolidation for a number of weeks now, and it became in a very tight uh, consolidation period. So it's quite clear that we were nearing the point at which we were going to see a breakout. And the thing with Bitcoin is, when it does have a breakout, when it does break out of one of these consolidations, it can be quite aggressive, and that's exactly what we've seen. Uh, we've seen it break below $40,000 alongside this dip, again, in risk appetite, and Bitcoin's being caught up in it. Now, it could have actually moved earlier. Um, yesterday, we had reports that Russia is looking to... Uh, to to ban basically all cryptocurrency-related activities, not just the the utilization of uh, cryptocurrencies in terms of spending, whatever, but also in terms of mining. Now, Musha is the third largest uh, miner in the world. I think it accounts for around 10% of cryptocurrency mining, so that's a big deal. But the markets didn't really respond to that. We didn't see Bitcoin selling off on the back of that. In fact, it was having a good day at the time, and it continued to have a good day after that. It was only when the risk appetite in the market shifted that we actually saw Bitcoin turn to the downside, and quite aggressively so. Um, off now today, a little over 6%, a bit 10% off its highs from yesterday. 
But the mining story didn't have a big impact. And I think there's two reasons for that. One is the fact that we know that Russia is hostile towards cryptocurrency. So maybe this story is not necessarily surprising. It's something that maybe people have ex seen coming for some time. But I think the other thing is that we've seen before when China, for example, did something similar, that... The, these miners, they they have a they have an ability to move operations quite quickly. So when China did China did something similar, then we we saw the market recover quite quickly in terms of they were able to move their operations quite quickly. So it seems that while this story could have been damaging for the Bitcoin price, it didn't actually have that negative impact. But the shift in risk appetite certainly did. So we've established that the markets are on a negative turn now. What about the week ahead? So we're going into the weekend with a lot of anxiety still in the markets. That's been uh, evident for, for a number of weeks now. And obviously going into the weekend, you can sometimes have that additional layer of anxiety and negativity um, as a result. But going into the week ahead now, it's going to be key because, like I say, there was a lot of hope that earnings season was going to provide that uplift and it hasn't done. But there's going to be a lot of focus now on the big tech names next week when they're reporting earnings. And the other thing is going to be the Fed next week. Now, we know, obviously, that a lot of, uh, tightening is now being priced in four rate hikes next year. The end of net asset purchase in March. The reduction in the balance sheet probably from around the middle of the year, but we should learn a lot more about that uh, next week as well. And and also whether the markets is correctly positioned because one of the thing that's feeding this underlying anxiety right now is that there seems to be a view that there's four rate hikes priced in, and that may not be enough. We may need to see more priced in, which is feeding this negativity. It may also be what is feeding the gold rally the fact that we're seeing acting as this inflation hedge four rate hikes but not enough we need, may need to see more uh, to address the inflation issue so this is the type of things that we're seeing in the market so next week's going to be really key both from an earnings perspective but also from a, a federal reserve perspective as well and we may continue to see this anxiety linger in the markets in the run-up to that and let's not forget global events as well we have a political crisis here in the uk but more importantly the situation in the Ukraine between Russia and the US and of course the rest of Europe that could be crucial and perhaps things are looking a little bit brighter than they were a couple of days ago after recent talks yeah i mean this is this is something that's had the potential to spill over for a number of weeks now the build up of troops on the border um, and the US constantly saying that they believe that Russia is ready to invade so it's something that could have happened at any point i've always been in the camp that doesn't think it's going to happen that it's it's something that's at risk of happening if the wrong things happen but i don't think any side really wanted this to evolve to that next step so i think um i, I think these negotiations are going to continue and the hope is that a solution is going to be found that that stops this taking another negative step and as you say it seems that we're getting some language um, from both sides that suggests we may be slightly heading in the right direction as far as the uk is concerned yeah i mean we are in the midst of a potential political crisis um given the uh, the issues around the prime minister one interesting thing is that it's not having any impact on the markets. The market seems to view this as a non-event, as if to say, and I'm talking about the sterling markets, for example, as if to say that if Boris Johnson goes, it's no big deal, he'll be replaced by someone and then the, the policies will continue as is. It won't make any real difference. No need for any, any volatility um, in the FX markets. The interesting thing with the Boris situation really is that he seems very confident. I know people are saying that he could be a week away from being out the job. I'm not necessarily sure at this point. Um, uh, it, he came out on Wednesday in PMQs and he was fighting. He was acting like someone who was re-energised, like someone who had 
belief that he was going to be around for longer. He didn't see that the week before. I know the apology didn't come across particularly genuine, but he did look like a, a defeated um, person at that uh, at the dispatch box. He didn't look like that on Wednesday, and it, it seems that maybe some of the backbenchers who were who were getting on his back and who were creating this pressure, the the, the pressure seems to have eased slightly. I don't know if it's this is a case of. Boris knows what's coming out in the Sue Gray report and therefore he's happy to suggest that uh, that once that happens that a decision will be made in his future because he knows that no decision will need to be made. I'm not sure, but something tells me that there is a Teflon element to him and uh, I wonder whether, despite the fact that he's hanging on by the skin of his teeth and this will be his very, very last chance within the party, I think the country um, would have a very different view, but within the party this will be his last chance, but I have a feeling he's going to hang on, hang on in there by the skin of his teeth. Yep, I think you might be right. Craig, thanks very much and have a great weekend. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.